I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 166, for the weekend starting 3 February 2017. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, which will be the first trillion dollar tech company? Also this week, does government want to create a new telecoms monopoly? And Andy to review mobile termination rates. Houston, we have liftoff. Well, that was dramatic. How's that intro? Yeah. Okay, we're ready for it now. Feels like we're in a, on the set of a movie here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with these microphones in front of us, definitely. Well, uh, indeed, indeed. That uh, That's our new intro music. We hope you like it. Uh, we've got a shortened version of that, which we'll be using from next week. Um, but uh, we thought we'd play the full uh, the full intro uh, for this uh, po- first time we use it in this podcast. But a uh, shortened version of it from next week on. Hope you like it. Um, before we get into this week's news, let's do our quiz. Rachel, do you want to kick off with the first question? Sure. First question. Government is seeking an extension to its welfare payments contract with NetOne UEPS Technologies, as it is hopelessly unprepared to take over the payments itself. How many people depend on these welfare payments each month? And we are looking for the nearest million. Sure. Quite a question. That is a great question. Second question. MTN has increased its economic interest in which towers management group did 29%? The third question, what is the name of the fintech startup club in Santon created by Rand Merchant Investments? And here's a clue. We interviewed the club heads Dominic Collett in Tech Central Podcast this week. Fourth question, which opposition party MP said recently that South Africa's digital terrestrial television migration project has failed? And the last question, how many iPhones did Apple sell in its most recent fiscal quarter for the three months ended 31 December 2016? And we'll accept the nearest five million. It's a lot of iPhones, <laughs> and we're going to talk about Apple in the show uh, because, of course, they put out their uh, mm-hmm. fiscal quarter results. I think was it the third quarter or the fourth quarter? I forget. I think I think the third quarter of their fiscal year, but the final quarter of 2016 in, on the calendar year. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, uh, Microsoft and and Facebook and Amazon and Google. And ask the question, which of these companies is going to be the first to a trillion-dollar market cap? And I think it's a fascinating question to ask because all these companies are doing quite well at the moment. Yeah, it's a good time to be in tech. But before we get into the news and talk about uh, multi-trillion-dollar tech companies, um, just a reminder that uh, we have um, split our podcasting here at Tech Central into two streams now. We've got this show. If you're a fan of this show and you already subscribed to it through a, through an RSS feed or through your favorite podcatcher or pod podcast player you don't really need to do anything just carry on listening to us now in as, as Richard puts it silky silky smooth buttons <laughs> silky smooth with, our, voices. with our new audio equipment but um, we've also launched some uh, interviews uh, podcast interviews uh, for Tech Central are currently under the name the Tech Central podcast uh, that my name may change as I mentioned in our last uh, Talk Central podcast, but uh, for now it's called the Tech Central podcast, and we're doing some uh, great interviews on there. Uh, if you have, haven't um, been listening to them, I highly recommend catching up uh, either through uh, the website where we've posted the entries or via uh, your favorite podcast reader, whichever one you happen to be using to listen to the show, for example. So um, we've interviewed, we did an uh, interview uh, with um, broadcasting pl- uh, industry players a couple of weeks ago now, looking at the future of digital radio in South Africa. What a great conversation that was. It was a great conversation. 
station. Um, if you're at all interested in that uh, field, um, e- even if you're just a consumer of radio, it's worth mm. a listen just to understand where the broadcasting industry may be going oh, yeah. in the next few years. And then this week we had fascinating interviews, one with Dominique Collett uh, at Rand Merchant Investments, uh, who of course is uh, hitting up the uh, Alpha Code uh, Club, uh, startup club for fintech startups. And uh, we also spoke to... Uh, I've forgotten his name now. Uh, Sorry, Dobek. Dobek Pater, who is MD of Africa Analysis. And we had a great hour-long conversation about the ICT policy white paper. I know it's quite a dry subject, but um, it's an important subject, uh, especially since it's going to impact not only the industry, but uh, consumers more broadly uh, if it um, passes in its current form. And uh, Dobek warning, and we'll get to this later in the show, that uh, the white paper, in effect, is going to create an infrastructure monopoly in South Africa. Uh, particularly in the mobile industry. And uh, haven't we been there before in this, in this country? Not good, not good. Anyway, we'll talk, talk about that in some more detail a bit later in the show. But uh, before we get there, um, I want to talk about results. And there's some, there's some interesting numbers coming out of uh, these big American-listed companies. Um, there are five of them, really, that, that sit in this... The big uh, five. <laughs> ...sit in this club of $300 billion-plus market cap companies. One of them is Apple, which put out uh, very good numbers this week, particularly in terms of iPhone sales. They um, beat market expectations, analyst expectations, and that pushed the share price up to near record highs this week. Their market valuation, the market value is now sitting at $675 billion US dollars, yeah. most valuable company in the world at the moment. Um, and um, Facebook also announcing numbers in recent days, along with um, Google and Microsoft, or Google parent Alphabet. And um, they're all good. Uh, Google's numbers, I think, were the only ones that may have missed analyst forecasts just slightly. But the numbers in the cloud were quite promising. Their cloud revenue, cloud revenues, that side of their business has performed strongly. And that's also where Microsoft has done uh, very well in their share price, hitting close, if not all-time record highs, very close to all-time record highs in the last uh, few days. And Microsoft's market cap jumping above $500 billion. And I think the last time sure. it was there was at the peak of the dot-com bubble back in 2000. So it's been a long time for Microsoft to claw its way back to where it was back in 2000, that, that those what were obviously over, over, overpriced values, yeah, over, yeah. overvalued uh, levels uh, during the peak of that dot-com frenzy. I don't know if you remember those <laughs> yeah, days, Rashad. Yeah. It was unbelievable where companies like Aruba, which uh, was a startup doing business-to-business to, business business e-commerce, was valued at $40 billion. Yeah. Um, and it had, no, it, it had ba- barely any revenue at all and certainly no profit, and it was worth $40 billion. Um, There were companies, remember Pets.com, which used oh, to yeah, advertise during amazing. the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's been a long time coming wow. for, for some of these companies to claw their way back to these sort of valuations. Uh, of course, some of these companies didn't even exist at the time of the dot-com bubble. Facebook yeah. wasn't even around then, which is remarkable. Children of the dot-com burst. I think they learned the lessons and... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, interesting, Facebook's now sitting at 1.9 billion people. 1.9 billion monthly active users. Isn't that just astonishing? It's ridiculous. Absolutely astonishing. And uh, uh, I think the daily active user number is sitting about 1.3, if I remember. 1.2 billion people. 1.2, active, yeah. yeah, per day. Um, that's a pretty serious platform. <laughs> no, it is. And I mean, the other stats, they yeah. have got more than 65 million businesses on the platform. And, and we've been using it quite successfully for a number of companies that we work with. It's the best platform to reach an audience if you want to talk to them. Obviously, your content still needs to be good and your message. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't want to be pushing junk out there, but it is, it's such a great platform and I can see why mm. the numbers are so good. Yeah, especially if you're going for that uh, consumer 
retail audience um, yeah, it works no. well i'm not so sure it's a great business to business platform but no, certainly not business to business no, definitely but, but certainly for the, when you're reaching that wanting to reach that retail consumer market it's um it, it's it's almost unmatched great for awareness and, and yeah and mm. it's, the, the tools that they've built it's it's mm. fast fascinating yeah so Facebook's market cap, and I'm, I'm looking at all the numbers here in Google Finance, um, Facebook's market cap is sitting at, uh, and this is before markets open in the States, sitting at $392 billion. And remember, this is a company that was founded, what, 10 years ago? Mm. Um, they're, you know, they're not that far behind Microsoft at $483 billion currently. They've come off a bit since the results were announced. Um, you know, a couple of more good quarters from Facebook, and they could be bigger than Microsoft. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can totally see that happening. I mean, the amount of stuff they're building around their businesses mm. isn't just a social media uh, for looking at family photographs anymore. That's for sure. No, they're doing so much. And uh, interesting, uh, the other figure was six hundred million, over six hundred million users now on Instagram, sure. active yeah. users on Instagram, uh, and they're um, they're branching out into all sorts of new areas. And I see Mark Zuckerberg announcing during the results presentations. Uh, that their next big focus is video, uh, so yeah. taking on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I like the way that Facebook has implemented video at the moment. It kind of forces you to stay inside the Facebook ecosystem, even when that video is from YouTube. Um, yeah, look, I mean, they certainly give priority to their own videos. Uh, so, so for anybody uploading video, it's much better to up embed a video in Facebook than it is to post a link from YouTube. Yes. You, won't, you won't get the same preference. Yeah. Um, I do think they've got a lot of improvement to do there, but um, they've got the technology. I mean, they've got the developers to implement the best version of what video could be on this platform. Mm. Um, it'll be nice to see. I mean, but it, it won't really put much of a dent on YouTube, I think. YouTube is it's got a very specific audience yeah. for it. You know, it's a serious video, mm. um, video platform where, you know, Facebook with additional video could be fun, but uh, it's going to take a while before it becomes a serious player. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting fight. Um, I've no doubt that I mean there's, there's no way, no doubt that there's a two-way war going on between mm. Facebook and Google at the moment over advertising online. Oh, yeah. um, they I mean they really are sucking up the industry's profits and revenues. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they they have become the two major behemoths in the online advertising oh, market. Yes. Yeah. Oh yes, and there's some really good YouTube uh, ads out there. I mean I've seen a few mm. recently, and the the quality is is phenomenal. You know it's just giving small businesses this platform. It's yeah. fantastic. Anyway, but there's a third player which uh, may be soon be entering in this, entering into this online advertising market, and that's Amazon. Uh, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, making some comments just in the last few days that, that uh, Amazon is uh, setting its sights on the market, and uh, it's a two hundred billion dollar market according to Bloomberg. And wow. uh, as we've seen with uh, their Amazon Prime Video product, uh, they when they come into a market, they don't mess around. And I think that um, if they become serious in that space, then we'll have a three-way play, three-way fight between these three giants. Unfortunately, what's the phrase about elephants dancing? <laughs> 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 the little guy who gets hurt. Um, but they uh, certainly have enough divisions to make enough of a dent in other, uh, in you know, offline industry, mm. so to speak, as well. You know, the retailing side in South mm. Africa still. Yeah, Amazon's an amazing company. I was chatting with a friend of mine about this, and he he's adamant, and I, I think I agree with him that. Amazon sitting currently sitting on a four hundred billion dollar market cap. Apple's on ooh, Apple. Uh, markets have just opened in the states. Apple is sitting on seven hundred and twenty billion dollars. Yeah. Um, I would uh, put some money on Amazon actually being the first there to the trillion dollar mark. Reckon, so they're going to leapfrog. Yeah, I think Apple is. Uh, Apple's all about the iPhone now. Mm. It's a bit like you buy Nuspass. You're buying Nuspass for the for, for the ten cent investment. Yes. When you buy Apple, you're buying it for iPhone sales. 
The rest yeah. is pretty much discounted. Amazon is much broader. I think they've got a lot of opportunities. Amazon there. is Amazon is very broad. They want to build this new leg in advertising. It's I mean it's early early days yet, so we can't really count that. Mm. But um, their retail operation is is massive, absolutely massive. Their reach of that thing is, is incredible, even though they they aren't in most of the markets around the world yet. Yeah, dur- yeah. with the direct presence. The logistics arm, I think that yeah. they've done that. Too. You've seen the photographs of the the factories and how mm. precise they are and how they've optimized packing. The their distribution around, centers you know, distribution, are incredible, so. incredible. Um, but of course, they've built another massive business in Amazon Web Services, AWS. Oh, yes. yeah. uh, and you know that's that's a massive business as well, and um, they really are taking on Microsoft. I would say that Mi- Microsoft and Amazon are the two leaders now in oh, yeah. cloud services. Yeah. I would put my money on Amazon any day of the week. I think if if it if it comes to using this service, which I don't, I think the the front end still needs a bit of work. A mm. lot of a lot of developers use it because you can tap straight into the service you need to, mm. um, and they obviously have the best one of the best infrastructures around. Yes, but for the consumer, I still think they have some work to do before they 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 the cloud services hmm. and become a bit more mainstream like the Dropbox of the world yeah. or yeah. Offices, of, uh, Office 365 and that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I mean, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, you think Apple will be the first there, right? Hmm. Uh, $720 billion. No, it's so close, but you're right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's hmm. betting everything on, on one, product one product versus one multiple bad, industries. One bad quarter for the iPhone and uh, it's, it's that share price's tickets. Hmm. Um and you know they they obviously benefited from Samsung's troubles last year, and they had a, a good Christmas quarter. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you know if that Samsung Galaxy S8, which is coming out soon, is 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 really good, it could um, it could have an impact on iPhone sales. Um, it's not to say Apple is, is 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 in any danger of of going away anytime soon. I mean they're a huge, massively profitable, very successful company, yeah. but. Um, you know, uh, it's built on the iPhone. It's over seventy percent of their sales now. Um, Mac, yeah. the Mac is a tiny portion of their business, whereas once it was the the bulk of their business. And that's despite all the Mac users asking mm. for more Mac, yes, more MacBook, better MacBook without all the fancy touch bars. Mm. I wonder. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, they've. I, w- I would have five years ago. I would have never thought that they would pin every th- or so much on 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 a mobile device like the iPhone. Yeah. I don't think it was their intention. It's just been so successful. It's just been so successful, yeah. Um, and now it's all about iPhone, and that's where their focus has been, which mm. well, may be fair enough. It was interesting to see the most interesting figure I actually thought that came out of the Apple results was the the iPad sales down twenty two percent year on year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who still uses an iPad really? If you've got an iPhone, yeah. large screen device, you generally use that. We only use it for for watching content movies. <laughs> <laughs> I use mine quite a bit, um, uh, mainly. To use it to read Pocket, um, it's a nice it e-reader for you, a digital reader. It's a digital reader, yeah. But you only I read magazines on it. I read magazines on it. But you don't use any of the advanced functionality on it. No, <laughs> no, no. And um, you know, I see no need. To, I've got an iPad Air two, mm. which I upgraded from the original iPad two. Uh, that was a big step up. I mean, yeah, the original yeah. iPad two had become so slow, and uh, I don't play games on my iPad, but it was it was it was painfully slow and. Uh, I eventually decided to upgrade because of the Retina display, uh, which does make a big difference. Um, but I see no reason reason to get the the very expensive iPad Pro. Oh, no, no, I don't. We're not um, in those industries and that I, require that kind of. And the iPad Air two is a fantastic device, and I'll probably continue to use it for many, many years to mm. come before I even think about upgrading it. No, I agree. Um, I agree. I, I I am one of those users though who who sees the need for tablets. I I will up- upgrade it at some point. It's not that um, I regret purchasing the iPad. I think yeah, it's a fantastic right. device and I, I get a lot of use out of it. 
Uh, for example, I, 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 I was meant to go for a run last night, but I couldn't run for, for because I'd hurt myself. And uh, um, so my, my wife went for a run, and I sat there for an hour waiting for her, reading my iPad. And uh, I had a much better experience doing that than I would have had sitting with my phone, I think. Oh, yes. No, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. The larger screen, there's definitely a place for it if, if, if you want that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. You know, Like I said, we use it for a lot of content, content consumption. Also great to have, uh, if you go on the road, road tripping over Disembolida like we did, mm-hmm. you have it there in the car. It's a device you can do virtually anything without having to open yes. a big notebook in yes. a confined space. Works well as a, as, a, as a GPS in the car as well. Oh, yeah. Massive, <laughs> massive GPS. You just just pop, pop it on your dashboard, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, the iPad, I think you mentioned going on holiday if you've got kids then mm. then the ipad is is fantastic you just oh, yeah. kids screaming in the back seat throw the ipad back play some games it's a surprisingly good media player especially for <laughs> for streaming streaming video no, yeah it is it. yeah and sure. the apps run really well on it so mm. yeah there's no mm. issues there yeah anyway we should probably move on to our next subject um so yeah i don't know if we want to put a friendly bet on which company is going to get to a trillion dollars first my money's on amazon which one would you pick Rashad? Yeah. Look, I'm, I might play the safe bet and say I'm sure Apple Apple could get there. Hmm. It's between the two. I of think them, it's isn't between it? those two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's the the, the underdog, the, the hmm. up and comer. It's definitely Amazon. Hmm. For sure. I'm gonna put a six pack of beer on that. Let's see. <laughs> You're on. <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> Marked. Cool. All right, we're gonna take a quick ad break. We'll be back right after this. Hello world. Hello information. Hello uploads and downloads. Hello streaming videos and low latency. Hello blogs and vlogs. Hello crystal clear video calls. Hello increased productivity. Hello online learning. Hello cloud. Hello long lost friends and missed connections. Hello limitless possibilities and instant gratification. Say hello to premium high speed fiber from Vox Telecom. Pleasure guaranteed. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Chicken or beef? Chicken or beef? There are so many companies offering fiber at the moment, but with Vox Telecom's premium high-speed fiber, you'll be joining the Smile High Club. Duck or salmon, sir? We call it business class fiber. We guarantee our uptime and can tailor our services to suit your needs and budget. Say hello to Business Class Fiber from Vox Telecom. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rechat? How's it, Duncan? So, um, I had an interesting chat with uh, the head of Africa Analysis, Dobek Pata. Um, he's probably one of the best um, ICT analysts in this country. Um, we sat down to have a chat. It actually started because I, I went to a presentation at the Free Market Foundation last week. Hmm. The Free Market Foundation has been taking a lot of interest in the ICT policy white paper. Uh, they worried that this um, this white paper involves far too much government interference, takes the industry backwards, and effectively leads to the creation of a new monopoly. And uh, Dobek gave a very good presentation there, and I went decided to go and have a chat with him at uh, Africa Analysis offices in Pretoria, in Centurion, actually. And uh, we had a good chat, and um, I, the podcast is on the site, uh, well worth a listen. Um, uh, I think I think a lot of people um, hear white paper, they hear legislation, and they switch off. But yeah, uh, it's very important. Uh, this ICT policy white paper is a very is quite radical. Uh, I think some people might even call it populist. Um, in that uh, it um, wants to take South Africa back, according to Dobek Pater, and I, I agree with him, back to a, an era where uh, there was an, a monopoly over infrastructure in South Africa. 
Now, the white paper's aims, I think, are are are, are good, um, but I think the uh, and that's a point that Dobek makes quite quite forcefully in the podcast. Um, the way the white paper envisages doing it is not good um, mm. because it will break the industry. What the white paper, and uh, I apologize to anyone who's already um, completely au fait with what, what this white paper says, but I, I think it bears repeating anyway. It, it states that um, all future high demand spectrum, in other words, spectrum that can be used for four, to build 4G LTE networks, will not be allocated in the way it's always been allocated. In other words, on an exclusive use basis to companies like Vodacom, MT, and Telcom and CLC. Instead, all of that spectrum will be reserved for a wholesale open access network, a single network, in which the operators are expected to contribute equity. Um, in effect, we're going to have an infrastructure monopoly uh, over mobile in South Africa. Um, and it's difficult to see how, if this goes ahead, how the big operators are going to be able to say no to it because spectrum is their lifeblood. Without it, they can't actually continue yeah. to grow. Um, MTN and, and Vodacom in, in particular have been very forceful in their criticism uh, of the white paper. Um, one of the disturbing aspects of the white paper as well is that it says that um, existing spectrum allocations may be taken back from the mobile Ooh, operators. That's not good. So the networks, the infrastructure or the spectrum that they've used to build their 2G, 3G and 4G networks could actually be taken away from them when those licenses expire and handed to this wholesale open access network. That's breaking, breaking the system, really. It is, it is, exactly. Um, I understand from my sources in government that uh, that clause is going to be taken out of the final policy document, whatever shape that policy document eventually takes, and so it won't, won't make it into legislation. But the fact is it's sitting there, and it's a very populist thing. Um, I, I think the mining industry in South Africa first faced a similar problem a couple of years ago where they were talking about, where there was a lot of talk about government and mining rights. I'm not the expert on that, but um, people I've spoken to said that uh, you know the government effectively was going to break the mining industry and, mm. and destroy investment um, over, over the mining rights issue. And I think what we're facing here is uh, something similar. Yeah. Um, so too, big, too big to let go. Yeah, fascinating discussion with, uh, with, with Dobek. Um, one thing I've picked up is that there seems to be a, a, a serious antagonism um, amongst some people in government towards MTN and Vodacom in particular. Uh, there's a feeling that these companies are big and bad and evil um, and that they've been ripping people off for years and something needs to be done about this to punish them. Uh, that's the, certainly the impression I'm getting from talking to people and, and reading between the lines in the white paper. And sometimes not even between the lines, sometimes it's, it's stated quite clearly that there's something has to be done about this duopoly. Yeah. Um, and certainly some of the criticism that's directed towards those two big companies is warranted. Um, you know, they've behaved like companies behave in a, in a market that, that where they've come to dominate because they've been protected from competition by the self-same government, which was very slow to roll out or license new competitors, they've taken advantage. Of course mm -hmm. they have. And uh, we saw prices stay high for a very long time. And uh, it took a long time for, for mobile data prices to come down. And it could be argued, I think, probably quite, you'd be quite justified in arguing that data prices are still too high. Yeah. That's not only the function of, um, of a lack of competition, though, which the government seems to think. It's also a function of the fact that... Uh, the government's been slow to allocate spectrum to these companies, which they mm. could then use to roll out their networks. So um, I, th I think it's very easy and, and, and the populist thing to do to point fingers 
at uh, these big companies and blame them. And uh, I think it's easy for the government to do that. They say, well, you know, you, these guys have been ripping you off. Look, they're the bad ones. We're trying to come in here with this white paper, which is going to fix it. Yeah. But I think that many of the problems that we see in this industry are actually a direct result of government interference or the lack of the lack of government interference yeah. in, some, in some respects, in that it's taken years for... Um, for for uh, and it still hasn't happened for Spectrum to be allocated. For example, the operators have been saying they need they've been saying for years they need access to the Spectrum. We're now seeing companies like MTN densifying their networks. You drive around Johannesburg now and you see these street lamps mm. disguised mm. as 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 mobile towers. Now I don't think the operators want to be deploying those those solutions as as aggressively as they are because it's very expensive to densify your network in that way. But they're doing it because they're running out of Spectrum, um, and you know they're they're having to invest more in infrastructure on the ground. They're going to they're having to put in more base stations uh, because they don't have the spectrum uh, to to to, um, to to cater for demand. And as a result of that, prices are going to go up because consumers are going to have to pay more for this infrastructure exactly. because the operators exactly. don't have the spectrum. Um, but it's a fascinating discussion I had with Dobek. I'd highly encourage you to go and have a listen to it, and um, it goes into a lot of detail. Also on on the subject of uh, network neutrality, uh, Dobbix's views there are that uh, we are going for a very hardline approach to uh, network neutrality. Now, on, 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 on the surface of it, net neutrality sounds like a great idea. The regulators or the policymakers come in and they prevent operators from, from um, putting up toll gates, if you like, mm. or, um, or prioritizing mm. different types of traffic flowing across their network. But once you actually start to interrogate it, the harder the network neutrality becomes, the harder the network, um, you know, the, the harder the policy is towards network mm. neutrality. The more they ins- insist on um, that that network neutrality principles are always followed, uh, the, the, the less um, companies are likely to invest in infrastructure rollout. Um, mm. There's a direct correlation between the two, as Dobek points out in my interview with him. Uh, you, uh, if you tell Vodacom, for example, that they can't provide this um, service at a, at a, at a, at a improved quality level to company A because company A will, is prepared to pay for that improved quality or that prioritization mm. of bandwidth, then, hey, what's the incentive in it for Vodacom to roll out that particular connection to company A uh, at offering these service level agreements and the certain um, um, quality to that customer if it has to provide the same level of service to everyone else in the market at a much lower cost? And the impact at the end of the day is that the price goes up for everyone, mm. is Dobex mm. view, or the service mm. doesn't get provided. Yeah, it's a tricky place, and it's one area we shouldn't be faltering because this is mm. this is what innovation is about. Mm. If it's the backbone of innovation or technology is mm. communications and the data networks. And and I think regulators and policymakers, people, politicians, know that the, you know people don't interrogate these issues in any sort of detail. And when they hear, well, oh, a regulation, net neutrality, to force companies not to um, to slow down my Netflix, for example, they think, wow, that's fantastic. That, yeah. that must be implemented. It's, you know, big bad companies doing bad things. We just have these regulations stop them from doing those bad things. But um, as Dobek points out in my interview with him, you have to be very careful because you introduce a regulation, it can have an unintended consequence. Mm, mm. Uh, and ultimately, uh, and I agree with him, ultimately it should actually be up to the markets to decide. If you don't like the service you're getting from operator A, then you should be able to go to operator B, and the fact that you can switch and go to operator B, in fact, might do so 
is an incentive enough for operator A to improve its service and to deliver to you what you want rather exactly. than a regulator exactly. or a policymaker coming along and saying, sorry, um, operator A, you have to deliver this to this customer. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I think a company like Afrios did very well with that. And it's a good uh, analogy to pull because they came into a market, offered all these options mm. that nobody else could do. Um, and look, look at what they've done now. They've been very successful, yeah. yeah. Um, and in a, compet- pro- in a properly functioning and competitive market, you, you shouldn't need regulations like that. I, th- mm. I think what the government should be doing is focusing on ensuring that the market is properly competitive, not on trying to put up roadblocks and regulations all along the way to impede people from trying to provide services to end users. Exactly. Um, Anyway, that's my thought. My thoughts on it, but, uh, and I know lots of people will disagree with me, particularly on the subject of net neutrality, which is, which is quite contentious. Um, it's quite. It's going to be quite interesting to watch uh, what happens in the U.S. because, of course, the Obama administration um, has been pushing net neutrality quite hard, and Donald Trump has come now come become obviously become U.S. president. And the Republicans are uh, running the show, and they're quite um, opposed to mm. net neutrality uh, because I think they they see that. Uh, that regulatory interference can distort the market, um, or maybe they're just ideologically mm-hmm. uh, in, not inclined to regulate this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do think that if there is going to be net neutrality, it has to be very carefully thought out before it's Im- imposed. And um, in the white paper, the ICT policy white paper, it's um, it's it's quite tough. And you know, as Dobby points out, could have the opposite in, uh, impact to what government's hoping it will have. Can't mess around with this, guys, please. <laughs> so, MTRs, uh, that's been uh, quite a quiet subject for the last couple of years. Uh, I remember we were talking about it almost nonstop at one yeah. point. Mobile termination rates, uh, or termination rates in general, uh, just a fancy term for the fees that operators charge each other to carry calls between their networks. Um, is saying this week that they're going to start the process of reviewing those mobile termination rates. The current MTR regime comes to an end in October of this year, so uh, they have to come up with the new regulations. The question is, do we really care anymore about voice termination rates? Um, I mean, everyone talks about data these days. Uh, yeah. Isn't this yeah. a bit of a moot point? Shouldn't we just shouldn't we just push these interconnection rates down to zero and be done with it? Yeah, look, <laughs> yes, but I think most people, let's be honest, a lot of people still use voice. It's still such a big part of the market Um, it it needs to come down definitely it it needs to be looked at because you know this is just another thing that's unnecessarily high uh, the charges are necessarily high Mm. there's no reason why why customers need to be paying so much for calls they have come down though I mean the last MTR review had a big impact on retail prices although you'll talk to the operators and they'll flatly deny it Mm, mm. uh, especially the big operators but um, uh, ICASA introduced asymmetry into the market um, which in effect meant that smaller players uh, Telcom and and, uh, CellC in the mobile space paid less to Vodacom and MTN than Vodacom and MTN paid to CellC and Telcom Mm. uh, to terminate calls and um, CellC argued that that was absolutely necessary. They they felt the term, the the asymmetry was not sufficient in the final regulations and actually threatened to take. They did take it to court, in fact, mm-hmm. but then redu- withdrew their court case. I think when they realised that um, by the time the court had ruled on it, the next set of uh, regulations would have been created. <laughs> uh, so um, it's we're, we're coming back up to that again. I'm sure the same old uh, arguments are going to be put forward in the public hearings about uh, why there should or should not be asymmetry, mm. why asymmetry should be kept where it is or increased or reduced. Uh, um, 
Um, but I, th- I think the fact is that um, uh, it's becoming less relevant as we move to a data world. It is. It of course, is. the bulk of the revenue for the operator still comes from voice. Yeah, um, yeah. and that's why they're clinging on to that, hanging yeah. on to that, because mm. it's mm. the last, uh, last way to, I think, really make big bucks yes. in the sector. I mean, with data being scrutinized like it is, mm. that's not going to be the, the future of the revenue. Mm. I do think that at the public hearings, we're going to hear a lot of um, inputs from industry players saying, well, you know, why are we looking at voice and on separately instead of looking at data as well? But there are no termination rates uh, for data between networks. Um, uh, if you place a call over a voice over IP network, say WhatsApp, uh, if, if we put a place a WhatsApp call to one another right now, then... Uh, both of us are, um, are are going to be paying for the use of that data. Um, it's not a one-way uh, bill. It yeah, exactly, goes both ways. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if, I guess if the networks become uh, adapt and, and use more data for their voice, mm. you know, then it also negates the need for those integrated rates. Yes. But again, it's a way to make money, and uh, you, can't, you can't deny that. No, indeed, indeed, it's going to be uh, it's going to be another bun fight, no doubt, and. Uh, um, uh, let's just hope it doesn't end up in court like it did last time. Well, that takes care of the news for uh, this week, Rechot. Um I think we just need to get to our regular features this week. And uh, um, let's, st- let's start with our uh, loser this week because um, it's an interesting one. We've picked Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, which seemed like an odd pick hmm. on a week where um, they put out results, beat hmm. analyst expectations, and their share price surged. But uh, we've picked him because he's just lost, uh, or, or Facebook has just lost this big lawsuit um, over um, the Oculus Rift uh, um, virtual headset. Yes, yes. And I love the headsets. They've been ordered to pay uh, $500 million over allegations that um, the technology built into the Oculus Rift was stolen. Uh, that the code behind it, a lot of the code behind it was stolen. And the court has found in favor um, of what's the company called Zenimax, I think, mm. uh, and um, has ordered that uh, uh, Facebook pay five hundred million dollars in damages. This was a jury award, and uh, yes, it's Zenimax. And uh, Facebook saying they're going to appeal the decision, uh, but um, yeah, the jury has rejected trade secret theft claims and ordered Oculus to pay $200 million for violating a non-disclosure agreement, $50 million for copyright infringement, and $50 million for improper use of ZeniMax's trademarks. Sure, that's that's big and deep. Uh, I wonder if this happened uh, before the buyout. I mean, well, this must have been because... If the it was before, it out, was so. before the buyout. Sure. So Facebook isn't directly to blame for any of this. <laughs> um, uh, and, for, and Facebook is, is, is uh, saying that they will, um, they will mm-hmm. appeal the judgment. Um, but uh, jurors hitting Oculus, co- Oculus co-founders Brendan Iribe, Iribe, I'm not sure how you pronounce his surname, and Palmer Lucky, with not so lucky, I guess, <laughs> with $150 million and $50 million in damages, respectively, for the trademark misuse. Um, the jury found that John Carmack, uh, who obviously uh, joined uh, um, Oculus, and he was, uh, of course, the creator of blockbuster games like Doom and Quake, mm. Uh, the jury found that Carmack took property belonging to Zenimax, uh, but they didn't order him to pay uh, any specific damages. Uh, I'm just looking here at the uh, uh, statement from Oculus. Oculus spokeswoman Terry Randall said the heart of this case was about whether Oculus stole Zenimax's trade secrets, and the jury found decisively in our favor. We we're obviously disappointed by a few other aspects of today's verdict, but we are undeterred. Oculus products are built with Oculus technology. Um, Facebook uh, founder Mark Zuckerberg spent five hours in the dock 
uh, or, uh, giving giving testimony rather, I shouldn't say in the dock, because he wasn't uh, being charged with anything. But he gave testimony for five hours in this case, and it's the first time he's been appeared in a court um, over uh, anything of this sort of nature. And he's no stranger to facing tough questions. Uh, yeah, must be yeah, interesting. Indeed, and of course, if you ever saw the movie, what was it called? Uh, the Social Network. The Social Network. Um, yeah. He said it was heavily dramatized, but uh, of course, that, the big focus of that was whether um, he stole someone else's Some idea ideas, yeah. to launch yeah. Facebook. So he's our loser this week, Mark Zuckerberg. And our winner is a JSC-listed company called NetOne UEPS Technologies. Quite a mouthful. But we're picking them this week because, um, not because they've done anything right, but because they're simply going to win for uh, the fact that they're going to have to continue to run South Africa's social welfare payments system after the government completely failed to come up with a solution of their own, knowing that the, the contract with NetOne uh, was going to expire at the end of March this year. And now the um, minister and the uh, social, what's it called, the South African Social Security Agency, SASA, are saying that they're going to go to the constitutional court and ask that uh, the contract be extended reportedly by a year to NetOne because the government simply isn't able to, able to take over the project. Now, you have to wonder how we get into a situation like this. This is clearly one of the key uh, projects in government. It's 17.2 um, million South Africans receive a social grant every single month. Um, we won't get into the merits of that uh, and whether it makes sense to be paying such a, a large number of people a social grant every month. But... Um, it's uh, you know it's it's an indictment on the government that uh, they've basically rested on their laurels, uh, knowing that this deadline is coming, and uh, are now going to go to the courts and ask that uh, NetOne uh, get the contract extended by a year. So by default, uh, they NetOne wins um, because they're going to make a lot more money out of this project, and uh, mm. uh, they're going to do so for another year at least. Of course, NetOne a very controversial company. Uh, they've oh, yeah. been accused of using the welfare payments to sell um, other services on top of it to, and then deducting money from these accounts. Um, uh, a lot of people have argued that that is um, unethical at, at mm. the very least uh, and uh, that he, they're preying on poor people. Um, uh, NetOne CEO Serge Bellamont um, has argued that they're simply providing services that, that uh, people want. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, it's a it's a it's an interesting. Everybody debate. wants over the top services that spam your 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 account. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, they're a winner next week. Net this week, sorry, Net Net One UEPS technology simply f because they looks like they're going to continue to run this contract uh, pretty much indefinitely until the government can get itself sorted out and um, issue a new tender. Mm, mm. Um, the talk is that maybe the banks are going to take over the project. Well, that uh, makes a lot of sense, mm. actually. Richard, what have you? What is your pick this week? So I've been in a bit of a, a mobile gaming binge the last few weeks. So my pick is another game that I found. It's called Prune, and it is one of the most beautiful games that I've found. It's it's kind of very tranquil and it's beautiful. I mean, you'll you'll see it if you go to iOS. Um, it's available on iTunes for sixty rand. But it's essentially a game where you um, it's going to sound funny, but you prune and cultivate trees. But it, it's done, it done. It does so in a very. Um, it's very beautiful and very tranquil. Nice music. Farmer van der Berg. No, Farmer van der Berg. No, but this is based on. So you, you're basically cutting a cherry blossom. But I'm just going to show you now. So 
Um, there's various various stages, obviously, that you you select. Once you've chosen your stage, some music will start playing, and your tree a tree automatically grows. Now, this is very it's, it's very nicely designed. It's it's mm. kind of an artistic style. This isn't based on any kind of um, photographic realism. I'm just waiting for it to start. Now you get various um, various elements to the terrain that you are in. So you could be in a in a in a ditch or something. You've got sunlight, the shade that you need to be careful of. But obviously, uh, if I'm doing, I just swipe my finger across where I need to to to, to cut the tree, <laughs> and every cut that I do obviously has an impact on the growth of the tree. If I cut it too short, it's going to die. If I cut the wrong branches, the tree won't grow. And the idea is to grow this massive cherry blossom tree. Um, it's quite relaxing, to be honest with you. If you're sitting somewhere waiting in a doctor's room um, for a root canal, for example, this is the <laughs> kind of type of game you'd want to be playing. And that's exactly how I found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had the unpleasant. Uh, uh, recently, but um, I've I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out you know all the ins and outs of it, but it's one of those games that I'll come back to. Mm. Um, it looks nice and, nice and minimalistic, and it is very right. minimalistic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. Um, it's very zen like. So, um, very zen. I think that's a much better mm. word to use. But mm. uh, there you can see my new trees growing, and obviously as it reaches the sunlight, if you have enough thick branches, um, it'll it'll bloom nicely. So how big um, does it get? Mm. Well, I mean, it can grow as big as as what you let it grow. But obviously, if you don't prune it, it's just going to grow up in straight lines. And um, there we go. Now I've just chopped oh, some of the bushes and now it's, quickly, yeah. now it's growing. Okay. All right. Handy. Handy. Check it out if you feel like uh, relaxing. And uh, Is it from iOS Zen. only or is it uh, Android as well? Um, from what I could see, it was iOS only. I haven't seen it on any other platform. Oh, sorry, there is on Android. Oh, there is on Android. Android. Okay, yeah. cool. We'll include the link in the show notes. Uh, for that app. My, my pick this week has been around for a bit, but um, it was acquired by Facebook recently. And that's an app called uh, Masquerade, uh, M-S-Q-R-D. Uh, it's available for Android and iOS. Uh, there seems to be only two platforms apps are available for these yeah. things, actually. Is there any other platform? No, not really. Um, M-S-Q-R-D, and uh, it's pronounced Masquerade. And uh, it's, it's quite easy to see why Facebook bought it, because it's a uh, competitor to Snapchat. Uh, the the funny faces you can do in yeah, Snapchat yeah. and uh, it's it's good quite fun it's quite well implemented um, I'm not a Snapchat user I can't sna- stand Snapchat uh, I think I'm too uh, I'm not a millennial Duncan. I'm I too old we've all, we've, yeah we've mm. come to grips with that age <laughs> we're not the demographic but this one is quite fun and it's uh, it's quite good actually so if you if you don't want to the the complexity or if you're old like me and can't figure out how to use Snapchat then um, Masquerade is quite cool if you want to play around and uh, do some funny faces. Uh, I put one on. Uh, I put a beard on myself a bit earlier and scared the hell out of Rechard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a, that was an impressive beard you grew. <laughs> it was very impressive, clearly not. Especially since I grew it in the space of a morning. <laughs> but um, it's it's quite a cool app. Lots of little uh, um, what you call them plugins. No, lots of little um, effects stickers, that you can stickers, the add-ons, uh, add-ons that you can add to the app. Um, and uh, you can come up with some quite cool things. And then, of course, most importantly, you can share them to wherever you want to share them, to Facebook, to Twitter, to to someone on email or WhatsApp, etc. And it does face swapping, I see. That's quite handy. It does, yeah. Quite a, quite a, cool, uh, quite, quite a few cool ones in there. I like the beard one, though. It looks quite cool. Um, I'm downloading it now. I want to look like a panda bear. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Masquerade. MSQRD, and it's in the Android and iOS stores. And that, apart from our quiz results, is the show. Um, but let's get to that quiz quickly. Um, our first question this week was, government is seeking an extension to its welfare payment plat- contract with NetOne UEPS Technologies, our winner of the week, as it hope- hopelessly 
sorry, as it is hopelessly unprepared to take over the payments itself. How many people defend, depend on these welfare payments each month? And we were looking for the nearest million, and the answer is 17.2 million South Africans. It's a lot of people on welfare. It is. Second question, MTA's incre- MTN has increased its economic interest in which towers management group to 29%? The answer, IHS group or the IHS towers? Our third question, what is the name of the fintech startup club in Santon created by Rand Merchant Investments? And the clue we gave was we interviewed the club's head, Dominique Collett, in a Tech Central podcast this week. And the answer is Alpha Code. And it's pretty cool if you get a chance to check it out. The fourth question, which opposition party MP said recently that South Africa's digital terrestrial television migration project has failed? And the answer, Marian Shin. And our last question in the quiz this week, uh, how many iPhones did Apple sell in its most recent fiscal quarter for the three months ended 31 December 2016? And we said we'd accept to the nearest 5 million. And the answer is 78.3 million iPhones sold in October, November and December of 2016. Mind-blowing. It is. That's an amazing number, isn't it? It's an incredible number. Well, that's a lot of iPhones. It is. It is. Anyway, um, the rumor is that the iPhone this year is going to be something quite special. I believe so, yeah. Mm. I've seen some really interesting insider rumors from some really interesting people Mm. in Silicon Valley. And uh, yeah, I think... Mm. I think they make it to the billion first. I might do a six-pack of beer. <laughs> you might indeed. You might indeed. Um, it's going to be for me. It's 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 the iPhone. The iPhone. Uh, what's it going to be called? The iPhone 10 is the rumor, or the iPhone X uh, mm, potentially, iPhone X. rather than the iPhone 7s, which it almost certainly is not going to be called. Yeah, I, I really hope they move to some more creative naming. I mean, iPhone. Mm. Just naming an iPhone. iPhone. Mm. You know, seven is five, four, three, two, one. It gets yeah. a bit boring. I think. They need Wouldn't to iPhone something. X be cool? Like they had with Mac OS ten or yes, iPhone ten, yes, yes. and then keep it as the iPhone ten, and then iterate from there, like they've done with the iPad. The iPad yeah, doesn't exactly. really have a name anymore. Exactly. Um, it might work. They might be thinking of doing that. I uh, suspect it might be called the iPhone. AR augmented they, reality edition. If they do call it the iPhone 10 or X, I'm going to send them an invoice for my service. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'll we be a billion dollars, please. Yeah, we can, can afford make it. Claim to that, yeah. <laughs> we can upgrade the studio. How's that? Yeah, a billion dollars. We should be able to build quite a nice studio. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, mean. yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah, good thinking. Are you listening, Tim Cook? <laughs> anyway, that's our show. As always, we love your feedback, so please drop us an email. Our info, uh, our info, our email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, take care. Cheers. Ciao, ciao.